Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Pro Football Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Pro Football Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on Football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson. I am your co-host. It is the offseason. There's still a lot of things going on in sports, but we're going to keep it NFL as best we can because the NFL season actually never ends. Well, yeah, but we want to dip our toes into a little college. Um, I actually got a chance to watch the Reese's Bowl today. And it was on before. It was a replay, but I hadn't had a chance to watch it. Um, but I but I took time to watch it because of something I want to share real quick on our Ben and Barry Facebook page. What what kind of spurred me to, to focus in a little bit on it um, was the thing that I heard about the coaching. And I don't know if you knew about the staff elevations, the coaching staff elevations and the coaching, the HBCU coaching assignments for the recent Senior Bowl, Ben. Did you know about this? No, I did not. I didn't know about it either. Um, and it made me focus in on a little bit. And so apparently, you know, you had the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets as the two teams in charge of the, uh, I think it was American and the National. I think that's how they had them broken down. Um, and so, you know, the Lions head coach Dan Campbell, New York's head coach Robert Sala. But what they did was they selected assistant coaches to serve as the head coach for that game. So in this particular case, uh, in the Lions case, it was Deuce Staley. So that perked my ears up right away. Okay, we get a chance to see Deuce in a head coaching, making decisions role. Um, and then on the uh, Robert Sala had uh, tight ends coach Ron, Ron Middleton. Uh, so that was there. And then they brought in... Um, some coordinators and things from some HBCU schools. Um, the Senior Bowl Minority Fellowship coaches, Reggie Barlow, T.C. Uh, Taylor. Reggie's from Virginia State. T.C.'s from Jackson State. He's their offensive coordinator. Reggie is Virginia's head coach. So they're going to come, come in and they're going to be working with the Lions staff. Uh, Tyrone Wheatley from Morgan State, Jonathan Saxon, uh, South Carolina, and will be assisting the Jets during the week. So this is going all the way back into into the uh, the team, you know, and as the team work with themselves, you know, whatever they're doing. I don't know what the Lions and stuff are doing at this time of year, but in any event, uh, maybe they'll be working with them during the season. But I just when I saw that they were elevating. And I saw Deuce Staley. So I left it at halftime. Deuce was down 13 to nothing. <laughs> so um, I don't even know what the final of that was. Do you know what the final on, this, on the senior bowl was? Nope. I didn't watch it. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, as I'm getting to know a little bit more about um, 
the NFL draftees, potential draftees. So you're looking at this pool of college players and, you know, I'm not the college guy. So uh, all of a sudden this is like a lot of information, but as much as I could, I put it up on Ben and Barry on football so that anyone who wants to get to the nitty gritty of what's happening can go there. Let's play along with this a little bit, as I'm saying with the nitty gritty. Well, can, can I say something about this, uh, this thing they did with the coaches? Absolutely. I believe, and again, I didn't watch the game and I didn't, you know, really know about it. So I don't know if it was explained as to why they did what they did with bringing in HBCU coaches to fill in all the assistant spots and using NFL assistants to be the de facto head coach for that particular game. But what it points to me, what it points to, to me, is that they're doing their part, not just the teams, not just the head coaches that coach these college guys, but the bowl game executives and all probably, hopefully, coupled with the NFL to expand the diversity pipeline for coaches. These are little things that are being done to try to fight back against all these excuses that we're getting from these owners about certain guys not being prepared. Okay. Cause that's one of the big hurdles that some of these minority coaches have to, to climb is we don't think that they're prepared. I mean, if you come up through high school, through college, division three, go to division one, become a, a quality control coach on an NFL team, then a position coach, and then an assistant coordinator, and then a coordinator, and then you go and interview for a head coaching job, and somebody tells you you're not prepared. Come on, man. Where we got guys that are just a year or two away from coaching high school getting head coaching jobs. This is ridiculous. So moves like this are things that these guys can put on their resumes that will help them not only with maybe making the jump from college to the pros or making the jump from a position coach to a coordinator or making the jump from a coordinator to a head coach. These are, these are pluses. This, that's a big plus. That's a huge thing for them. Man, I think it's a big thing too. Um, but there is a cynical part of me and you kind of touched on it uh when you know because like you said there are a number of hires that obviously didn't require all of these preliminary steps you know what i mean when they want to go get somebody they go get them and that's uh that's become you know overly obvious but it does seem to be setting up a grooming process a pipeline process an exposure process uh, and I think that that is, you know, what's most important here. And so, you know, yeah, whatever. You know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the world we live in, we live in a world where, and I'm not trying to be, you know, I don't want to get off football too much, but we live in a world where a person can go, a, a white male can go and interview for a job and a black male or female can go and interview for the same job and you could copy word for word their resumes, work histories, whatever you want to call it. 
okay? And the overwhelming majority of the time, the white male will be selected, especially if it comes to women, to a black woman. They're, they're really low on the totem pole. So, and, and we can say, well, that's not fair, but guess what? You know, so we can't sit around and just keep saying that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. <laughs> you got to build yourself up. You have to knock down all the excuses to even get a fair chance. Still doesn't guarantee anything, but this is a move in the right direction to show that people care and people know what's going on and they're trying to, to, to get this, this mess straightened out. Of course, the people that need to be really need to really look at this probably didn't even watch the game and that's the owners so <laughs> you know they probably don't know nothing about it but that's besides the point you you get where i'm coming from right. and i think it was a great move it was obviously thought out and done on purpose this wasn't no chance thing so great Good, yeah, there's a number of people working um, within the NFL, and I was going to talk about them maybe a little bit later, but I'll bring them up now. Let me mention, because I think that these guys actually need to be somewhat celebrated for their work on a consistent basis uh, within the NFL. And I'm talking about Steve Weiss, Charles Davis, and Bucky Brooks. Because these guys are the guys who mainly worked on that HBCU Legacy Bowl, and they're okay. really uh, forcing the issue and bringing the HBCU um, to the NFL. You know, the exposure they're bringing, the analysis they know the players. You know what I mean? And um, I just wanted to kind of you know give these guys a kudos because you know you got Steve Weiss play by play. Charles Davis, game analyst, Bucky Brooks, field analyst, you know, and, and they're, they're, they were doing a great job. And like I said, they know the players, they know the coaches uh, and they know the game. So, you know, I just thought it was, it was nice. Again, they partnered with the NFL uh, to broadcast it on the NFL network. Um, that was a quote from Doug Williams, Super Bowl MVP, Black College Hall of Fame co-founder. It says here, providing standout players from HBCUs with the opportunity to showcase their skills and talent on a national platform, tremendously exciting and rewarding. So kudos to these guys, man. I think these guys are part of football black history now. <laughs> well, kudos to the NFL Network for getting the game and giving it to them to do. Because not only do they know what they're doing, but their connections with college football in general and the NFL is unquestioned. I mean, when, when, when there's big topics to be talked about, one or all three of these guys are going to be on there talking about it. They are probably the best three, especially Charles Davis and also Bucky Brooks, but especially Charles Davis in making the connection between college and the pros. <clears throat> and guys that are coming from college programs, big and small, with the aspirations of playing in the NFL. So they couldn't pick three better guys, I don't think. I'm with as far you. As, knowledge, as far as knowledge and television game broadcasting skills. Yeah, they, they, they have it all, man. And I mean, you know, so I wanted to make sure that uh, I brought that up. 
you know, and mention these guys. Um, you know, we were just outside of Black History Month, uh, but we can still talk about what's going on with it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to break in, into something slightly different. I want to go back. <laughs> Remember, we were talking about Goodell and last week's show. And I mentioned, I said, I don't know how much he makes. It must be like $50 million a year or something like that. That's a pretty wild guess, but I wouldn't be surprised. What is it? It is $63,950 per year. Very close. Not bad. And this is his fourth extension. They're working on it. They're working on it. Right. He's to earn fourth contract extension as NFL commissioner. This guy's going to be commissioner for a long time, bro. I'm just letting you know. I see no reason for them to replace him. I mean, they, I there is no reason to replace him. You know, uh, he, he with the uh, new money coming in from the um, gambling and all of that kind of stuff, man, the revenues are, are shooting up. Everything is, you know. And, and let's be clear, when we say neither one of us sees any reason to replace him, we're talking about we don't see any reason why the people who could replace him would want to replace him. We're talking about the owners. Okay, I'm not saying he should be the freaking commissioner forever, but the owners have no reason whatsoever just yet or right about now to even think about getting rid of this guy. He is riding the fence straight <laughs> and narrow. He's like this. <laughs> this dude is good. He straddles both sides with the best of them. And the owners are cool with that. Obviously, they'd rather have him more pro them, and behind closed doors, he probably is, okay? But he's giving and saying just the right things to keep the Players Association at bay and still let the owners say and do whatever they want. Well, you know, um, even reining them in maybe a bit here and there. Uh, or maybe even grooming them for some changes, like with what's going on uh, at, at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Yeah, but he's giving it to them gently. Yeah. So I think they appreciate that. They kind of see the handwriting on the wall, but they don't want to be like, eh. So he's spoon feeding them a little bit. I'm sure they like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would see that. I would see that, you know. So, <laughs> um, all right. I want to mention, I want to mention, <laughs> let's talk about the combine. So just quickly, I want to mention, as with everything, COVID impacted everything. And there was a whole controversy that came up about the COVID protocols for the combine. And this was the first time where I saw agents of uh, potential draftees uh, come together and protest <laughs> and say they're not going to send their players. And the reason was? 
They didn't like the protocols. The protocols were so restrictive that they didn't like them. They, for example, like a lot of these guys coming into the combine had hired, you know, different professional staffs. They had people doing their food. Okay. They were going to be allowed in. Right. They were going to put them in a bubble. Right. Right. So Which on the surface seems like the right thing to do. Well, you know, it, it kind of seems like the right thing to do when you're in the middle of the heat of the pandemic. But as of right now, everybody's pretty much relaxing the protocols. The mask mandates are, are coming down and, you know, the, the all types of stuff are happening. Basically, they're saying that the hospitalizations are pretty much, you know, really cooled out. Um, and so the, the whole bubble concept they didn't, you know, they didn't feel it was necessary. I don't even feel as necessary at this particular point. Long story short, they changed it. Um, they changed it, and you know, so it it worked. You know, they amended the protocols. Uh, the the prospects weren't going to be able to leave the restricted areas, as it was saying there. So there was a number of things, but that was one of the first times that I can say that I saw a protest. You know, of NFL draft the power. They came together. They're like, we don't need your combine. We'll have a pro day and we'll have it our way. And that's basically what they say. Any, anyhow, yeah. You know what I mean? Then you come yeah. visit us. Even right. with me. <laughs> which which actually makes it tougher on the coaches. Right. And exactly. exactly. Because now they can't just come one place and stay there for a week and see everybody and make their analysis. And then say, okay, so we'll go to one, two, three, four pro days. How about you got to go to like 23 pro days? How do you like that? You and know they're what? like, uh, no, that's that's not going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, that was, that was okay. All right. All right. Now, um, speaking of the combine, uh, on Ben and Barry on football, I did want to put together a the schedule because there's actually a, a lot going on through the week, but there's really only a day or so where you see performances by the actual athletes. A lot of that other stuff is behind. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Yeah, all the interviews and all that stuff is going. Yeah, on. yeah. I had. In fact, I think a lot of that started just the other day. Um, exactly. But the um, field work, field work starts tomorrow, right? The third? Uh, Thursday, March 3rd, you have quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Cover, uh, March 3rd, 7 p.m. Eastern. Coverage starts at 4. It's on the NFL Network all week. Friday, March 4th, 7 p.m., you have the running backs and offensive linemen. Saturday, March 5th, 7 p.m., defensive linemen and linebackers. And then Sunday, Sunday, 2 p.m., defensive backs. So there was some article about whether or not making this a TV spectacle was good for the combine or not, you know. Uh, like, for example, starting times, you know, seven as opposed to you know earlier in the afternoon oh making the times more tv friendly yeah yeah exactly exactly so 
Um, I Which saw makes that it less, makes it less friendly for the players. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But you know, hey, it, it's funny. I might just be old, Ben, because you know these kids ain't they don't wake up till five in the evening anyway. So. <laughs> they, yeah. That's ball they probably don't them. They probably I mean, they're way, young. Yeah, so young. They're young. They're on their way up at night. Me and you is, is snuggled up in bed. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, I mean, the, the adjustment won't be a big deal for them because they are young. But, uh, you know, football players, probably more than any other big-time sport, are creatures of habit and schedules. So, you know, getting up early in the morning and hitting the gym first and hitting the weight room first before you eat breakfast and go to class is a normal thing for them. So this changes a lot of that, but they're in the combine, like everything they need, everything they could ever want is right there for them. So making the adjustment time-wise is not gonna be that big a deal. And it's not like they have to play a game you know what I mean? They're training for this. They probably know these start times far before we did, you know? So they're, they're training for their 40. They're training for their, if they know I got to lift, I got to do my 225 lift at this time. And I got to run my 40 at this time. They've been working out in that order all of these previous weeks. They're ready. This is, uh, what I wanted to share, because <laughs> I thought this was so interesting, about the combine. Here's the general uh, player schedule. Coming in on Monday, well, you got the different blocks. You got your gray blocks, your tight end quarterbacks, wideouts, your yellow blocks, your uh, O-line and um, running backs. Again, your D-line and your linebackers and your DBs. Uh, I guess that's your your, your punters and your uh, – Place kickers. Nice kickers. Yeah. So you got your kickers and stuff uh, coming out there on Saturday. But in the first block, you'll see they have the registration, pre-exams, orientation, and interviews. Uh, I've already heard uh, that the Eagles have already asked like a really weird question of a guy. It was, you know, apparently weird questions that were, were a part of uh, the combine interview process. For years. For years, okay, okay. If you were a tree, what kind of tree do you think you would be? Ah, yes, I remember that. Now. Remember that one? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then Tuesday, they have the general medical exams, potential special studies, and interviews. So this is the second day, and that's the same for pretty much everybody. This is the funny part. Third day, you have media interviews, uh, ortho exam, and the NFL PA meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your union. <laughs> right. What every new employee gets. <laughs> union orientation. In this case, every prospective employee is going to get it. Right. Yeah. Well, we're letting you know ahead of time. <laughs> so there won't be any mistakes. There won't be you any mistakes. <laughs> you ain't got to be in the union. But you got to pay dues. You got to pay dues. <laughs> That's what we went through. Exactly. That's right. I we were like, well, what if I don't want to be in the union? That's cool. But you're still going to pay dues. still going to pay the dues. So, <laughs> so, one way or the other. I know. I just thought that was so unfair. But then after a while, I was like, okay. 
you know, especially when when you finally need the union and they when you, yes, yes, and that's and that's what they always tell you. They're like, you might not think you'll ever need the union, but trust me, one day you will. Yeah, you do. Oh, you're all wide eyed and glad you got a job. Hey, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to get in any trouble. I don't need the union. I need I ain't union. doing nothing wrong. Nothing. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's why you need a union, because you did nothing wrong, but you're still in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had. But I just thought this was interesting to see how they have everything blocked off. Um, oh, this is cool. On the Thursday, they have, you know, all of the actual activities. And then on Friday, departure from Indianapolis. So, yeah, I thought that was just an interesting um, piece of information. Everybody, again, you can go to Ben and Barry on Football, our Facebook page and find that information all right let's get rid of that for a second um since they haven't actually started doing anything yet benny not a whole whole bunch to talk about because there's more people than what i can wrap my head around i'm still oh yeah it's far too many looking at some of these rankings and some of the different analysts and what they're saying you know however you said it. He likes speed. That's what you said. I heard you. You said that. So I said that? yes, you did. When did I say that? We were on one of the shows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably talking about your team. Well, you know, I like speed anyway. No, that's what we were talking about. You. You yeah. like speed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Predicting the nine fastest 40 times of the you know what? <laughs> this is crazy. So this is neat. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to this, and I'm gonna make sure that I watch it either live or the replay of all these forty times. And any of these nine guys, I'm especially gonna watch and see how close these predictions come to what they really run. But I will say this. I looked at this article and I know some of these names and I've seen some of these guys play. And the last guy on the list, Austin is his name. Uh, can you show last this? guy on the list, Calvin Austin the third From Memphis? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's a wide receiver from Memphis. He's projected 40 times, 4-3. Flat. Flat. Nobody else has a 4-3 flat. No. This dude can flizzy. No. However, you, you're within tenths of a second on those 4-3s. That may be. But that's 4-3 flat, no doubt. But I've heard other predictions that and I heard more than one person say they believe that he could possibly get under that and hit a 428429. I'm just saying, I don't know if he's gonna do it. That's how fast he is. Let me do a, just a quick rundown because I, I summarized it because it was a lot of information. I didn't want to try to go all through, because, you know, when you hit the article, you got all the ads and stuff popping up all over the place. So I summarized it, okay. So from slowest to fastest, okay. Uh, number nine, we have Daxton Hill, uh, South Michigan, 
Projected 40 times, 4-4-1. He's a safety. You have Jerome Ford running back. Cincinnati projected 40 times, 4-4. Four, four. I've seen Isaac him play. Taylor He's good. Stewart, huh? I've seen him play. He's good. Okay, okay. Isaac Taylor Stewart, cornerback, USC, projected 40 times, 4-3-9. All right, this is where I say you get within tenths of a second on the 4-3 here. Now, this is one that I've picked out in particular. All right. Tariq Woolen, 6'3", 205, linebacker. 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 <laughs> Projected 40 time, 439. Now, now, let me say this. It says linebacker slash cornerback. So the guy's not big, but he's probably a big hitter. Well, he's 6'3". Yeah, I get it. 6'3", 205. Okay, I see what you're saying. He ain't, he ain't bulky. Uh, right. I weigh 212. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, he project in my mind, he projects to a strong safety. But I, I see where you're going. That's fast. You know who I want to see him cover? DK. <laughs> Everybody cover DK. I want to see DK run better routes so these guys can't cover him. Uh, well, you know, he'll get better. I think he'll get better. Oh, I'm he, sure he will. You must stop messing around with that damn uh, pacifier. <laughs> He's hilarious. However, okay, Tariq Woolen. 63205 running a 439. Next up, Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas, projected 40 yard dash time, 437. Traylon Burks. Johan Dodson, wide out, Penn State. Ben. Yeah, Penn State kid. I like him. I seen him. He's nice. Projected 40 time, 435. Now, Penn State wide outs are not. Big in the NFL. There's not a lot of Penn State wideouts in the NFL. The, the latest one right now is the kid with Denver, KJ Hamler. I was watching the 40 times from last year. KJ Hamler ran like a four-five something. Yeah. So, but but I've seen him in games. He has game speed. I don't think he trained properly for his 40. So again, running the 40 is tricky. These guys will take two months off and don't do nothing but work on running their 40, working on their start, working on their arms, you know, and all that stuff. They're lean, everything to get the top flight 40 time. But um, this kid here, I think, is actually faster than KJ Hammer. So we'll see. That's just from the eye test. Yeah, when my son was going through the uh, college combine process and we were trying to get his 40 time down, we had to go through all of that. And this yep. is the kid who ran track, you know? Yeah, but you need a track coach, really, to get your good 40 time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he had one. Right. Well, he had all, he had all types of coaches, but too often it was just me out there when it came time, like, on the day of, you know? Right, right. What can I tell you? Anyway, where do we start? We, we, we finished off with Johan Dotson, Penn State. Kalan Barnes, cornerback Baylor, 4-3-3 three, three projected time. 
Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback LSU, 4-3-2 projected time. And then – Yeah, he'll probably be a first-rounder. Huh? He's a first-rounder. He'll be one of the first – he'll be one of the first defensive backs taken. Okay, okay. All right, we're going to keep – watch out and see how you did on that. Uh, Calvin Austin, the third projected 40 time, 4-3 flat. So – if you like speed, here you go. Um, I, I really like, I want to see Tariq Woolen. I'll be looking for him. Uh, as with all of these guys, there's usually somebody that surprises you out of that group, you know, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. What can I tell you? You know, what's interesting to me is, and I'm, I'm assuming that they're projecting these guys to be the, the nine fastest at the combine that there's a good number of defensive backs here. I only see one running back. There's a few wide receivers and the rest are defensive backs, corners and safeties. And that one guy that's a, a linebacker slash cornerback. I find that very interesting, especially in this day and age where that's exactly what a lot of NFL teams are going to be looking for. Cause these receivers out here nowadays, are ripping this thing up, man. I mean, scores are through the roof. Quarterbacks are thriving. Wide receiver has been a very, very heavily uh, drafted position over the last couple of, of drafts. And, um, I mean, everybody's trying to get one. So you got to have D-backs that can at least, at least run with them, <laughs> let alone have the ball skills to actually cover, make picks, and make knockdowns. They got to at least be able to run with them. So this, we could see a lot of defensive backs go early in this draft also. I think, well, we're not really talking about the draft yet, are we? No, no, not yet. Because I don't have a lot of details that I can go into about the draft. But my first thought is the first round is going to be loaded with offensive linemen, defensive linemen slash edge rushers, and D-backs. And you're going to have a quarterback or two sprinkled in. Probably won't see no running backs taken. Maybe maybe one. And the rest will be wideouts. That's just my my early, you know, without doing any real homework. But these D-backs, these fast D-backs, yeah, they're going to make themselves a lot of money. Well, you know, it's interesting, Benny. Um, my our, our boy Peter Schrager did his top 10 and he had no quarterbacks or running backs on it at all. I'm not surprised. I'm at not all. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm only saying, I'm saying one, maybe two quarterbacks and possibly one running back. The, the dearth of quarterbacks that are creating serious excitement in the NFL is going to really help out B-level players currently in the NFL. Some of these guys are going to actually hold on to jobs because there's not a strong belief that you're going to pull out a quarterback that's ready, that's game ready, uh, coming out of this draft. From the more that's what the sense that I'm getting from listening to people, you know. Um, so we'll we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Right. All right. Next up, let's talk a little bit 
of NFL news. Um, it had to be some uh, cl clarity with this, but apparently the NFL and the XFL are supposed to collaborate on health and safety innovation and player development. So the NFL is going to play a little bit of Big Brother, but it's just working on those two issues. It's not really, apparently they're not really promoting the XFL per se. But they're um, going to kind of give them a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To further okay. expand the game of football and create increased opportunities for player development both on and off the field is what the XFL said. So, um, but the NFL said health and safety initiatives, including forward-thinking physical and mental fitness programs for players, the study of playing surfaces and equipment, and the sharing of game trends and data. Uh-oh. The XFL... Guinea pigs. <laughs> Guinea pigs. I'm thinking the XFL is going to have... Um, what what are the people that everybody hates the analysts or the uh, the, the statisticians during the game? What do they call them again? Who? When when you have a football game and rather than and coaching instead of making his decision, he's he's using the numbers. Oh, a bunch of analytics guys. The analytics, yeah, they're gonna have analytics in the XFL. Probably. Why not? They got everything else, you know, but um. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because the XFL should be kicking off their season soon. So we will have some level of football. <laughs> You'll watch it, won't you? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to try. <laughs> We're going to give it a shot. You yeah, know? I'm going to give it a shot. Look, if I can watch the um, – what is it? The game? It's the anim – they have a game on television where it's like – it's not Madden, but it's like a Madden game and they're playing – Simulated, simulated football, simulation football okay. on TV. If I can watch simulation football, I can watch this XFL. <laughs> we'll see. We're <laughs> not making no promises. <laughs> Here's a big business thing, but this is kind of a weird business thing here. And you see it says, Bill introduced to eliminate the tax subsidies for pro stadium constructed. Our boy Mike Florio posted this. Okay. And, you know, you start to get some pushback from people that like, you know, you're going to raise my taxes and give all this money to these billionaires so that they can build a stadium and then charge me 200 to 500 plus dollars to come in there. Oh, more than that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, but the interesting thing is all they're really doing is they want to eliminate the the tax break that are given on the bonds that are sold for these to build these um, stadiums. So it's not like, you know, they're really taking a big incentive away as far as I can see. I mean, I'm sure the tax, if you're super rich, you know, if you can buy something and not and, and, and save some taxes or get an investment and save some taxes or whatever, um, that's fine. And sometimes on these lower level um, governmental basis, they have some things like that. The thing that kind of struck me was that these, there are three of the legislators, Jackie Spear, Democrat from California, uh, 
Don Bayer, Democrat from Virginia, and Erm Earl Blumenauer, Democrat from it looks like Oregon. So this looks to be a Democratic, uh, you know, the Democrats at work here. But what they said here that I found interesting is that they wanted. They said if the NFL has proven that it can't play by the rules, so they're citing the ongoing Washington Commander workplace investigation. Right. And they're like, if you guys can't act better, we're going to take your tax subsidy away. Okay. I'm like, is that the only reason you're going to take it away? It's because they've got some improper workplace. I mean, if to me, fundamentally, no, it's because they it's because they're not they're they're not, I'm sorry, I could be wrong. They're announcing that okay. Now that it's out there, some now that somebody outed us, we're going to do an internal vest investigation. Don't worry, we got everything covered, and then they don't do nothing. I'm and not, if nobody had outed them, they wouldn't have said a word about it. I'm not questioning that, but I'm saying that to me, there's a larger issue of why you would not want to subsidize NFL billionaires and the building of their stadiums. It's I shouldn't be subsidized for for that in the first place. I shouldn't there shouldn't be a government subsidy for that. You know, these guys have anyway. Anyway. That's I what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with whether or not someone misbehaved. They still they shouldn't have it. Because, you know? Because you know rich people, rich people stay together. Again, this is a token thing to make people think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, get them, go after them. And the owners are going, ah, whatever. Okay. All right. You got me. They this is care less. This is hilarious, though, Ben. The last uh, paragraph, right? I just love the way he ends it. He says, with more and more states allowing betting, pro betting programs based on professional sports, and with the league finding more and more ways to convert the previously illegal activity in all states but Nevada into a major revenue stream, these teams and leagues will make more and more and more money. The right. franchises will have more and more and more value. Thus, there's less and less and less reason for taxpayer money to be devoted to private businesses to make ends meet when, to borrow a line from an old Eddie Murphy routine, the ends are meeting like a mother. <laughs> it's crazy, man. As a meeting like a mother, <laughs> a mother effort. That's how he ended this article. I thought that was hilarious. So, yeah, there's that probably is not going to get past nah. the Republicans because that's, you know, they're the buddies of all of the owners. So right. that's not going to happen. Right. But just that they brought Even up. Even if they're trying to do it in a nice way. <laughs> we won't we won't mess with you unless you have some sexual harassment charges up against you or something other than that you're cool other than that you're cool the crazy craziness craziness hey look how would you like to have troy aikman doing the monday night football game i don't know who does the monday night football game now well, that's a good question, but apparently um, they're looking to bring um, 
Troy Aikman over. But that means somebody has to go. Be the main analyst. Uh, it's been in the state of flux since Gruden left, apparently. Um, oh, Monday night is the night they have different people on. Right, because um, what's his face? Collinsworth has Sunday night, right? Collinsworth and, uh, you know, the guy that says, do you believe in miracles? I forget his doggone name. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so they got Sunday night sewed up. So Monday night's kind of open, open game, huh? I don't, I have no problem with Troy Aikman doing games. I kind of enjoy Troy Aikman. He's, he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good. He's a little dry, but he's not bad. They're saying Al Michaels might return to Monday. Al Michaels, that's the name I was trying to get to. Okay, okay. Yeah, so Al Michaels and Collinsworth, I think, have Sunday night sewed up. So now if they get things moving, because, see, you can like a certain play-by-play guy and you can like a certain color guy, but the best teams are the teams that are best together. Like the best color guy and the best don't necessarily make the best team, you know? So that's something that they have to work out. Um, I, I, I'm, I got a lot going on, and I, I've been sipping a little bit, and I'm into basketball and this and that and the other, so I, I keep forgetting who works with who. But I know who I like, and I think Tony Romo is awesome, okay? But he's best when he's got the right partner, you know, somebody who's been with him for a while because he says a lot. He's not long-winded, but he says a lot, if that makes sense. Like he'll go into something and he'll, he'll, then he'll get right back out of it. And you'll, and you'll still be thinking about it as the play goes on. You're still thinking about what he said. You know, he kind of got away from what he was doing early on where he was actually calling plays. He was calling play. Yeah, he was freaking me out. He was calling. Accurately. Plays. Yeah, accurately. Yes. <laughs> so that goes to show you the amount of knowledge that this guy has, not saying other people don't have it, but they just don't use it when they're on television. You know, they, they try to keep it analytical and they try to keep it straight and they try to say, watch this, did you see that? And point out things that the average everyday fan may or may not see on their own. So I get it. Um, but anyway, bottom line is, yes, I like Troy Aikman. Monday night, Thursday night makes no difference to me. I think he's good. The the commentators and stuff are just something that I did not pay a lot of attention to. I'll be quite honest with you. You know what I mean? So, but don't some get you don't pay attention to them when they're good. If the guy gets on, is there somebody that gets on your nerves? No, not really. Not really. Not really. You know, I don't, I don't know why, and and could be because we watch so much red zone, <laughs> right? So you you don't have time to pay attention to that. Right. Because right. it's the action, then they're gone, and it's somebody else, and they're back, and then da, da, da. that's true too. Once we get to you know Sunday night or Monday night, I'm all hyped about the game. I'm you know, the announcers and stuff are just background, you know. I got you. And then I got you. talking and stuff like that. But now right. I gotta watch them now, okay? Gotta see what oh no, you just <laughs> no, you don't. You just have to pay attention to what they're saying. You, most that. people don't. Some people do. I don't. So if you get on my nerves, that means you're really bad. 
Because <laughs> I'm trying not to, you know, focus in on what it is that you're saying, unless you got the telestrator going and you're showing me something that happened on a play and I want to make sure I saw it right or maybe I didn't see it. Then I'm paying attention. And then I want to hear you explain it clearly, concisely, you know, I, I want to get into it. Don't just be, I mean, I love Joe, uh, John Madden when he had the thing and he's scribbling and it's over there and then he goes over there and he comes around and then boom, you know, I love that. But don't do that to me. Don't. <laughs> you know, nobody else can do that. Only he can do that. Well, I agree with you in terms of Romo calling out the plays, you know, ahead of time. That was impressive, that whole part of it. And so Troy Aikman um, on Monday night, we know Troy knows the game. He's real calm and even, and, you know, all yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. So it'll be interested to see, interesting to see how that works out. All right. We're going to move toward rocking this thing out. Benny, um, I want to share again on our Facebook page. Uh, we have the link. Uh, Sports Center, before there was Kaepernick, there was the Black 14 about 50 years ago and uh this came back uh as a memory on one of my facebook pages and uh and i shared it on our page and i had forgotten kind of what happened but went back it's only six minutes but it's a really great little piece talking about the black 14. um i'll start it out because you you remembered it and, and i didn't so what, what happened apparently was that this was the University of Wyoming, the Cowboys, as I remember correctly. Right. And they were extremely successful. They were winning games left and right. And they had to come up, uh, they were on a five-game winning streak when they came to BYU. The game was BYU. And BYU was being protested because their religion did not allow for black priests, African-American priests. So their bias was on display and they were, you know, they were basically, you know, uh, getting the protest on a, from a national scale. So here you got these kids going in to play the game and they're trying to figure out what should we do, you know. Now, again, this is 50 years ago. And we're right. in Wyoming. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we're in Wyoming, not exactly black urban area. You know what I mean? Just quite, quite the opposite. So they decided that what they would like to do would be to wear black armbands as a sign of their support of the protest. You want to finish it from there? Yeah, it was just that simple. They wanted to wear black armbands and possibly put the number of 14 on each armband because there were 14 of them in support of this protest. These are college students, all right? These aren't a bunch of knuckleheads, right? This was a protest that was of a national scale, just like you said, and they felt that it was important that they show some kind of solidarity with the protest 
on top of the fact that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in some other games against BYU or other teams who had black players who played against BYU, especially at BYU, they were insulted, they were cursed at, they had uh, uh, um, racist epithets thrown at them and all kinds of stuff like that too. So they knew they were going into a hostile environment on its own over and above the protest. So they wanted to let it be known that, you know, we're not with this stuff that you guys got going up here and we want to show that. So they didn't just say, come on, y'all, gather 14 guys in the room, cut out some armbands, we're going to wear these tomorrow. Da, da, da. They did what they thought was the right thing. They asked to meet with the head coach and they were going to ask the coach if it was all right, if they do this. And before they could get the whole question out, he told them, I tell you what, I'm paraphrasing. I tell you what, I'll save you guys a lot of trouble. You're all kicked off the team. How about that? Now you don't have to worry about wearing armbands. You don't have to worry about protests. You don't have to worry about anything. You're off the team. See you later. Deuces. That's basically it. What a mess. What a mess. And if they had just put the armbands on, like right before they came out onto the field, they probably could have pulled it off, but there would have been consequences and repercussions after the game. If the coach had heard them out and said, no, I don't want you to do that, they wouldn't have done it. That's the irony. They, that's the irony. They this wouldn't have done it. Additional tragedy of the situation. Yes. But instead of saying support of the coach. Yes. The community. Yes. Doing it. Yes. They wanted to know this is something that we thought we want to do, but we only want to do it if we have your support. If you say it's okay. If you say it's not okay. We won't do it. And he booted them off the team. They never even got to that question. They didn't even get the whole question. Out. They didn't even get to that. You know, which leads me to believe, which leads me to believe that somebody prepped him for this. Somebody told him, somebody found out about what was going on and told him ahead of time. Probably didn't tell him the whole story. Probably didn't tell him, you know, that the players are going to respect your word, whatever it may be. They probably just said, Dad, this is what they plan to do. And kicked them all off the team. Well, you know, that is an interesting back uh, possibility that somebody snitched. <laughs> and that, that is Why else would he cut them off like that? I would think that in a situation like that, he would be surprised to hear this and, and want to hear it out. Like, you want to do what? Why? Well, oh, you, know, you say why? Okay. The, it was racism. That's why he was as racist as everybody else. I, I get that, okay. <laughs> but he he's oblivious to the fact that they would even want to do this. So if he heard about it ahead of time, I understand why he went at them the way that he did. If he didn't know it ahead of time and it caught him by surprise, 
he probably would have heard them out. He may have still made the same decision, but he probably would have heard them out because it caught him by surprise and would have, he would have had to stop and think for a second, at least. He still might have said, all right, get out of here. I don't know. But he cut them off. They never got a chance to really ask, is it okay with you if we do this? <laughs> they just started talking. He was like, that, ah, no problem. I ain't got time for this. I tell you what, all y'all off the team, don't even worry about it. Well, they finished up somewhat still winning, but over the next few years, their record went down and they really started to suffer on the winning as far as winning was concerned. So exactly. Didn't help them football wise on the long in the long run. And these were guys again before Kaepernick. So that that you know what Kaepernick got, these kids got, and they didn't have a national audience. They didn't have an uh, uh, NFL contract. As a matter of fact, they were talking about they didn't know how they were going to get jobs because they were such pariahs in that community. They probably had oh, yeah. community oh, yeah. all together. You know? The way it was put out to the public was was totally wrong too. Yeah, but the way the public ended up hearing it was like these guys were doing something so terribly wrong. And on their own, as if they never asked the coach or even attempted to get the blessing of the coach, they 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 made them look like they were some kind of rabble rousers. And then, you know, yeah, people were on campus looking at them like, oh, look at these guys. You like you said, they they had trouble getting jobs. Or oh, you're one of those, you're one of those football players, you're one of those 14 guys. That's awful, man. Their, their lives could have been ruined. All right. Well, that is on Ben and Barry on football. You can go back and watch that. That's a Sports Center production. All right. All right, Benny, let's go from poor behavior to better behavior. I wanted to bring this up. This is uh, the Jacksonville. State or the Jackson State Tigers official 2022 football schedule. Okay. I want you to take note of game number one. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I know you'll be tuned in. I will be tuned in. The alma mater, Florida AM. Do you guys just get a new coach? Us. Do you guys just get a new coach? We did get something. Uh, yeah, there's so, sure. there's so many new head coaches popping in and out. I, I'm not, you know. Uh, okay, so that's big time. It's that's uh, it's down there in Florida, which is good for you guys. Yeah, um, it's going to be a lot of hype. You guys are going to be fired up for this one. Uh, this is going to be interesting to see. I know you'll be tuned in. Now that you got this schedule up, I see Tennessee State. Who I think gave them a little trouble this past season. And then under that, I see Grambling. Do we have anything on our agenda about talking about Grambling? Well, you know, I, I, I sounded really stupid um, a couple of shows back, and I asked you, I'm like, is Grambling really known for football? And, I, and it was oh, shame on you. Yeah, because I already know, you know, their history, but there has been a gap. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. Powerhouse. And that's kind of where my head was. And I just really wasn't going back far enough. Um, right. 
But uh, no, we have to take a look. Um, they're going to have to go visit Jacksonville, and then Mississippi Valley State is going to have to go visit Jacksonville. Right. Well, the, the reason I'm asking about Grambling is because I see it right there in bold print, which brings to mind uh, an, another uh, uh, situation that if we don't have it on our page, we need to talk about really fast. And our, I don't know if you are aware of it or not. Um, the new head coach at Grambling is Hugh Jackson, who used to coach the Cleveland Browns, right? And Hugh Jackson hired Art Bryles, who used to be the head coach of Baylor. And at the time that he was the head coach of, at Baylor, there was some real bad things happening on campus. And some of those bad things uh, had to do with some football players. And he got caught up in some cover-ups, and his name is terribly, terribly soiled. After that, he was fired. He kind of like drifted off into the netherworld. Nobody knew where he was. And then all of a sudden, Hugh Jackson pulls him back in and hires him. And immediately, immediately, Doug Williams, who is probably the biggest name Gremlin skate guy still living right now, said, I'm not with it. Not Art Riles. No, sir. This guy's got dirt all over him. I don't like it. In fact, I'm backing away from Grambling State. That's crazy. That's like you and me saying, I'm backing away from the Jaguars. That's crazy. That Jaguars was our rough touch football team, <laughs> not the Jacksonville. But you know what I'm saying, right? We Jags for life. You know what I mean? That's Doug Williams saying, I'm done with Grambling State. That's insane. Well, Hugh Jackson must have talked to some, a couple of folks and went to Art Bryles, I'm sure, and said, bro, this is a problem. And Art Bryles backed out of the deal and took himself out of it, himself, which I think was the right thing to do. That was the right thing to do, man. That could have got ugly. Yeah, that was hot for a minute, man. That whole situation was hot, and and I was, I'm with it, and I do believe it's on our page. And if not, I'll make sure that we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was a he he was there for a whole lot of all kinds of sexual misconduct and girls getting raped on campus. It was horrible. It was bad. There was some statement that said he was that he was clear from having any real um, involvement with any of that. But again, as a head coach or head of a half athletic department, your yeah, head kind of yeah. rolls when things like that happen. If even if you say you didn't know about it, it's like you should have. You know what I mean? Yeah, you should have known about it. And if you did know about it and you didn't do this or this, then that kind of implies that you were covering it up. You know, or attempting to to distance yourself from it in in a way like, huh? What? You know what I mean? And that's that's not cool. That's not cool. So anyway. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up the show. I only have one thing that I wanted to share. And that's because this is how we feel. Sundays without football. Sundays with football. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's kind of how we feel. We have the, we don't have the window seat, even though on most buses, the windows are on both sides. I guess that's just a wall there. Yeah? You just got to look at the wall. You, they're driving really close to the side of a cliff or something. They sure are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sundays with football is sunshine and blue skies and mountains and rivers and uh, it's just <laughs> wonderful. So, but it's NBA time right now. Fact six is getting ready to come on in a minute. So, you know, I um I, I heard from uh our boy Chucky e. B that uh, tickets are going fast and they shot up in price for all games for the Sixer games for any Sixers game. Guess so, Sixer home games or whatever. Yeah, my I'm wife my wife said to me, I might want to go to a Sixer game. She don't that, watch okay, her. so I tell you what you do: you wait until. Who does it right? Till uh wait till the Indiana Pacers are coming to town. Go to that game. Okay. That'll probably be the cheapest ticket you can get. Hey, look at this, look at the standings and see who the bottom three teams are in each conference. <laughs> and if any of those teams are coming to Philadelphia, that's the game. That's the game. Okay. Yep. All right. Are you here to hear first ladies and germs? That's the strategy <laughs> for getting cheap tickets. Um and it's funny because you know my Bulls are in the East. Um, oh yeah, Bulls game is going to be an off the. But the, my, my Bulls are losing games. I'm not expecting them to lose, and yeah, I, but I don't feel still... as if we have the dominating character like an Embiid or like a, a Harden. I don't feel like, even though I must admit, DeRozan right now is just doing things that are Crazy. historic. But remember, I said this in the beginning of the season when I said, well, I mean, your starting five is freaking awesome. I was going crazy. Then I said, I don't know about your bench. So when you don't know about the bench, every injury, you're in trouble. You know, somebody getting a little slump, you're in trouble. You know, that's you, you got to have at least a sixth and seventh man, at least. So. That's kind of, but but they played so well so early on that they're still what they're in second place, right? Uh, well, they've been fluctuating between first and second, and probably in second. Right, fluctuating between first and second with the Miami Heat of all teams. People are like, yeah, I was I was talking to somebody today. They're like, what about the Bucks? I'm like, yeah, the Bucks are like fourth. <laughs> people forget the Bucks started slow. They came in, yeah, we're the champs, but they started slow. Six has been hanging in there. Now it's like 20 some odd games left in the season, the regular season before the playoffs start. This is this is where it gets tough. Durant's coming back probably tomorrow for the Nets. They're in the eighth seed. It's gonna get rough. It's gonna get rough, especially in the East. The East is stacked. Yeah, the East is everybody's kind of the same. If they lift the uh COVID restrictions in the another thing, then Kyrie can play at all. Kyrie can play. That's their big two. The question about Ben Simmons is, you know, I'm not betting anything on Ben Simmons doing anything. Uh, Don't get me started. <laughs> as a, Don't get as a me sixer. started. We'll be on here for another hour. So I'm not betting on anything with them. But, yeah, as far as having, again, I, I felt, and I had said this to my niece, because it's funny, Harton – before he played, if I felt like there was a lot of negativity about him coming. 
oh, we gave up too much. Especially when I heard somebody say something about having to give up Curry. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, you gave up Curry right. for Harden, and you're going to complain? Because <laughs> the people are not real fans. They're not real fans. They think they think they know. That, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say they're not real fans. They love the Sixers. They want the Sixers to win. They are Sixers fans, <laughs> but they think they know what the Sixers need and don't need. Here's the bottom line. If you just ask them, would you be happy if James Harden was on the team? They would say yes. But then when you say, but we might have to let Thibel go, they're like, no, he's such a great defensive player. The guy scores eight points a freaking game. Stop it. Stop it. You, I'll give away two blocks and three steals a game for somebody that's going to crush 28 a night Easy. any day of the week. I don't care. And then What's open up another 30 for two other players just on the breaks and stuff. Again, not to mention he's such an underrated passer. Holy crap. He was he was the point guard for the Nets basically for a while. I mean, you know, and he played it beautifully. I watched him and they're like, you know, they're like, we're used to Harden, Harden, you know, driving and dominating the ball. We're not used to seeing him dish and set they him up. Was, they said he was a malcontent. They said he was out of shape. He looks darn good shape to me, dude. The thing they're trying to say now is that they're questioning his defense. Oh, yeah. Well, that's 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 always the go-to because he doesn't play defense. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I like Seth Curry. I did. But I didn't love him. No. He's not I wish they got, he's I wish he could have. Right. It's Seth. I wish he could have stayed and they could have got rid of that bum Danny Green. But didn't work out that way because guess what? Everybody else knows Danny Green's a bum. <laughs> At least Seth is going to give you something. But he's no star. Get him out of here. No, we need to get rid of Shake Milton because nobody wants Shake Milton. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? And when you make a trade, <laughs> the you have to agree. <laughs> They're like, well, we want James Harden. Yeah, we know. Well, we want this guy and this guy. We're like, well, how about if we give you him, 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 him? No, we want this guy and this guy. That's how it works. Okay. That's... <laughs> well, that's how it's going to work with the Bucks if uh, if somebody really wants to take Tom Brady, because he said they ain't trained Tom Brady. Y'all ain't going to come get him. No, you can't go play for somebody else, Mr. Brady. This is what I'm sensing from the Bucks uh, down in Tampa Bay. So it's you either stay retired or we getting something for you. That's smart. This is more That's like smart. you either stay retired or come back and play for us. That's what right. it sounds like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't the think thing. they're talking about letting, even getting something for him. They, they, I don't, no, I don't you see can't why go he, no place else and play. We don't want to have to play no Tom Brady in the playoffs. I don't see why he would want to go anywhere else. If he decided he wanted to play again, I would think that he would want to stay with them. So would I, to be quite honest with you. I mean, where else are you going to go? Niners. <laughs> no. One year. Come back to home. Come I back home. Know. Come back to the team of your dreams, the team of I, your Yeah, that's his, that was his hometown. The team that you sat in the stands. 
Yeah, yeah. He grew up a Niners fan. Yada, yada. <laughs> oh, this guy. Yes. That would be the last send off. <laughs> the last send off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Be like, okay, y'all can have Jimmy G. <laughs> we'll take. <laughs> How do you say, Ben? We don't want Jimmy J. <laughs> we don't want him. We want Debo. Oh no! Nah, see, we can't. Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. But I can't wait. I'm gonna start looking at the combine tomorrow. I'm gonna use every waking moment that I'm not working or doing something else to stay glued. Uh, I think we got the quarterbacks and receivers tomorrow. So, uh, um, I'll be focused mostly on the 40 yard dash and the three cone drill, uh, maybe the, um, vertical jump, that kind of stuff. I don't care what the quarterbacks do. I just want to see them throw. I don't care if they're fast and I, I could care less. I just want to see them throw, but the wide receivers, the running backs and those other guys, I want to see them do all the other stuff. Um, so this is going to be fun for the next couple of days. Main and thing we'll talk about it next week. I like the uh, the drills where the guys are running across and they're catching a the ball, throw it down, catch the ball, throw it down. Catch. Yes, I love that's I love I that. Drill. I love that. That's yeah. what I want to see. Yep. yep. All right, that's it for me, Benny. Any last words? That's it for me. My only last words is go Knowles. <laughs>